Ric Flair never got 23 big wheels of cheese. Behold the king, the king of kings. On your knees, dog. Hello. How are we doing? Mr. Mags, you all good? I am, yeah. Uh, excited for my second week back on, on on the chain wrestling, yeah. Yeah, always good fun, mate. Always good fun. Oh, yes. Indeed, indeed, indeed. It's a grotty, horrible grey Monday in Gloucester, mate. It's a grotty, horrible it's day. It's a lovely, sunny, bright day up here in, in the north. Is it really? It really is. I've literally just got back about 10 minutes ago from a, a lovely walk with the wife. Uh, glorious sun. Yeah. Oh, dear. No, can't do that here, mate. It's been raining for a couple of days. It's absolutely gross out there. Wow. Yeah, but Gloucester's always kind of grey anyway, bud, you know? So, no. no it kind of you, is what it is, isn't what it? You, you deserve. Know? Well, I suppose, I suppose, I suppose. <laughs> oh, dear. The king left none living, unable to tell. The king took their heads and he sent them to hell. Their screams echo loud in the place of their death. Ripped open they die with their final breath. They hail the king. The king of kings. Good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, and that feels so, so good to say that again, you know. A Radio Techers production. I am Sai, and with me, as always, is the Torn Peck to my... Holy fuck, did you see that? Did you see that picture, Mags? Uh, yeah, I saw highlights of the match as well. Jesus Christ. Um, I've not seen the match, but I've seen. The, oh my god! I've, the I've never been the biggest fan of Cody Rhodes. I, I like like what he has done as a businessman, but the amount of respect I had for him for going through that match with that injury and not phoning it in, um, mm-hmm. maybe doing the best match he's ever put on, certainly in WWE. Yeah, that was brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. well played, Cody Rhodes, and I wish him a, a very very speedy recovery. I'm going to have to check it out, man. I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, the pedigree to my deaf knee. And the weird thing with that is, the one that I always refer to as my good knee probably clicks and aches more than my bad knee now. So which way around is it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. A podcaster who looks like a completely different person if he takes his hat and his glasses off. It threw me when you sent me those pictures the other day, mate. Okay. Mr. Mags, glad to have you back <laughs> once again, my friend. It's a pleasure, an absolute pleasure. But uh, I've missed it, like I said last week on the show. And uh, yeah, I sent a similar picture to Rainey called me, uh, he called me Conan O'Brien. Okay. 
which I was not yeah. amused at. I was like, but basically to fill people in who are unaware, Magsy's not sending <clears> us like you know naughty pics or anything like that. It, Magsy sent us a picture of him with his grandkids, and he had no glasses on, and he had no hat on, and obviously he had no headphones on. They're, they're oh, yeah, I didn't have glasses on, did I? Yeah. No, they're not surgically attached. Obviously, his headphones. You know, <laughs> they're not part of him, and it was. It was it was surreal. It was like I was, I was looking at where you are, and I could see that it was your house. And obviously, these are pictures of your grandkids. You're saying these are my grandkids, but I'm like, yeah, but that's not you holding them. You should you should call someone. There's like a, a different dude in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I do have hair underneath this hat. Uh, it was quite like yours for a long time, where it's a uh, ponytail at the back, but uh, the wife cut it all off, and yeah, it's growing back. Screwing back slowly now yeah. it's kind of like at the Conan O'Brien stage, apparently. Conan O'Brien. <laughs> oh. Should we have a quick look who is joining us early on this evening, Magsy? Yes, we shall. And it's uh, another packed house. Uh, Matt Willis way, coming in, in well early, 20 to 9, uh, telling everybody that he's good blood. Okay, Matt, we all know how much of an angel you are. Uh, but he does say, uh, uh-huh. what else could he ask for? A wonderful new edition of Chair Wrestling. Yep, it's absolutely amazing. Um, Sharon in the chat, uh, it's Monday night. You know what that means? Scottish Danny's here. Uh, Dan Griffin. Well, if it isn't the best part of a Monday, oh, thank you very much. Oh, mate, that. that's lovely. Oh, to be fair, Monday is the shittest day of the week, so we ain't got much competition from the other 20. That is very, very hours, true. Uh, we'll still take it. Conor McCabe, uh, hello, sir. How are you? Um, apparently, Matt is saying that Boris has survived his, uh, his uh, confidence vote today. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Idiots being led by an idiot. So what can you, yeah, what can you say? I mean, I, it was kind of predictable, I think, that he was going to survive that vote, really, so... Yeah, I mean, who wants that job? It's a poison chalice as it is. Mm. Let the idiot fall on his sword. Uh, Charlie in the chat, and uh, I've got to give a, a, a special thanks to uh, to Charlie because um, for those of you who haven't listened to the audio version of last week, um, last week's episode, definitely go and check it out because Sa and Charlie did a, a cool little intro um, talking about radio stations and uh, pretty much every song... Uh, sad dubbed over a little bit. I won't spoil it, but it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So definitely go and check that out. Uh, Mort and um, and Fitch are both in the room. Uh, um, Fitch saying uh, it's good to see my beautiful face, and uh, Mort saying love his lordship. Uh, these two guys have been absolutely brilliant whilst I've been away. Uh, really, really supportive, and uh, it's good to see see you both here. Um, Core Mags O'Brien from Dan Griffin. I yeah, that missed works. His, that works. I've missed his wit. I've missed his wit. Uh, Mort saying he needs to uh, see that photo. Um, I may send it you in the DMs. It's definitely not getting put up in public. Um, I could just put it up now on the camera, couldn't I? To be fair. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> you could. You, you absolutely could. Um, Dan uh, got turned away, tried to give it. Uh, last time he tried to give some blood. All they kept saying is, whose blood is it? And why is it a bucket? Now, I thought you was going to say because it was 50% gravy. But, mm. but yeah, yeah, we've got a, an absolutely jam-packed house today for Chairmaster, and I love to see it. Yeah, it's awesome stuff, isn't it? It's awesome stuff. Uh, so then, Magsy, over the weekend, did you get up to anything? Uh, no, nice and relaxing. Uh, we didn't seem to have the bad weather that you've had, but, uh, but yeah, got uh, watch UFC. Um, spent some time with the grandkids, as as you know. Um, so yeah, it was a, a nice chilled chilled weekend. Cool, 
cool. Obviously, the the weather being bad around Gloucester affected a big sporting occasion as well. Uh, this weekend was the cheese rolling in Gloucester. Oh, people are wow. familiar with this. I've seen the Netflix show about that. It's, it's yeah. bloody brilliant. It's insane. It's people. I mean, the, somebody broke their leg this year. Uh, and wow. it's yeah, it's, it's it's if people are unaware of the cheese roll in Gloucester, go go and check it out on YouTube or on Netflix. As Magsy says, it's it's just one of those things where you know how strange sports kind of you know they become tradition and they just stick around mm-hmm. for, forever. That's what's happened with this, and it's basically a big block of cheese rolled down a fucking massive slope uh, in Cooper's Hill in Brockworth, which is right by where I work and where my sister lives. It's only a couple of miles down the road. And everyone runs down the hill to catch the cheese. And if you catch the cheese, you're the winner and you get to keep the cheese. And it attracts so many people. People from all over the world were there, you know, to enter. Uh, the, the, the winner of the women's race was from, I think, from Canada or the United States, maybe. Oh, wow. Uh, or, no, I think she may have been a Korean descent American, something like that. But then there was, a, there was somebody else who was taking part from Italy. Uh, and it's absolutely insane. And the local rugby club, the, the Brockworth Rugby Club, they line the bottom of the hill to stop people, From you know, because it is going further. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cooper's Hill is it's it's pretty much vertical it's, in its, it's, its angle. I've seen the the um, the cheese rolling a few times, like through clips on YouTube. But actually, watching that Netflix show about it and like seeing the the hill in all its glory, it's, it's a steep, steep climb really really like steep and mm. the the way people just throw themselves down it you essentially have to go limp and just hope you can barrel roll your way <laughs> to the bottom without without killing yourself the um the show focus on that this this family who've uh who traditionally been really good at the uh, uh, uh essentially winning i think the, the brother has won it a few times and his sister was trying to win it uh i think it's like for the second or third time uh they broke bones and ankles yeah it's uh brutal absolutely brutal it is it's crazy it's crazy the guy who won the men's race this year has said that it's his last time he's going to do it and this is his 23rd victory wow. 23 times and people celebrate rick flair for his championships man <laughs> you know rick flair never got 23 big wheels of cheese no he didn't i think it'd be a shame wouldn't it because obviously cheese is going to go off you kind of it, you, you know you, you win like medals or anything like that you want to keep them but you can't keep 23 i mean he, he hasn't won 23 years in succession but you can't keep a 23 year old piece of cheese can you as a like a reminder that you've done this but you'd want something wouldn't you i mean to be fair if i had one that cheese wouldn't last a year right <laughs> it'd be gone before the next year so yeah. certainly i could get through the wheel of cheese i think yeah, I mean, that's, and to be honest, it's it's pretty battered when it gets to the bottom of it. Yeah, once you've scraped all the mud and the grass off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing as well. What I don't know what's worse because if it's a really dry day, a really dry kind of um, dusty hot day, then the turf is the the hill is going to be really bad. You're going to be banging into it, and you know you're going to turn an ankle quite badly, and so on. It's going to be it's going to be rock hard. It's bumpy as hell. It's just rough terrain, a uh, uh, damn near vertical slope. But if it chucks mm-hmm. it down with rain, so in theory you're thinking, okay, it's not going to be rock hard. That that seems sometimes even more dangerous because then when you actually do manage to catch your footing once every I don't know five meters because you are literally bouncing off this thing on the way down. 
you're just sliding everywhere. I mean, honestly, if you haven't seen this, the cheese rolling from Gloucester, uh, from Cooper's Hill in Brockworth, just go and check it out. It is a sight to be seen. These people are batshit crazy, man. They are. And they train for it for months yeah. and months as well. Yeah. Which, I mean, how do you train for throwing yourself down a hill? I don't know. Mm. They do. But, I mean, people drive all over from all over the place to go and see it. And mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, you'll see it in the pictures and that. It's not just people throwing themselves down a hill. They've got to put, you know, sort of barricades up to stop the crowd getting in the way that go and watch. And, you know, local people, re- you know, rent out spaces in like their field and so on to, to park your car and make an absolute killing. And the local pubs is one of the, the, the best days of the year for them if the weather's mm-hmm. good. Because people go yeah. watch the cheese rolling and then go on the piss. It, it, honestly, it's mental. It's something I wouldn't have to experience, I think, going yeah. to a, a live cheese rolling. Oh, maybe that's what we can do one day, Magazine. Make sure you come to, when you come down to Gloucester on that weekend, we'll go to the cheese roll and then just go out for a few beers. Yeah. I mean, be I can't drink anymore, but cool. Okay. Well, I'll drink enough for both of us, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, shall we get rid of a couple of pieces of garbage into the old chain wrestling hall of lane, Mr. Mags? The <laughs> what you got for us bud so um at man is actually quite apropos because we've seemingly on a kind of a little bit of a triple h journey with last week's episode and then this week's episode so my um hall of lame entrance is kind of smack dab in the middle of that um so where we left off uh, last week, uh, Triple H had got injured. Um, we were kind of barrel rolling towards uh, the invasion. Um, and something happened uh, in the build-up to the invasion that, at the time, was massively popular and was massively popular for, for quite a while after. But it got to the point where it it became one of the most annoying things in wrestling. So, cash your man back to August like I said, deep in the middle of the, the invasion. And um, Stone Cold Steve Austin was uh, was essentially the captain of, of Team WCW. Uh, but he was getting more and more paranoid at the time. Uh, and he held kind of like a, a state of the union meeting with all the, the WCW uh, wrestlers and the ECW wrestlers in the ring because he didn't feel that they trusted him. So he went round a few of the uh, the wrestlers and said, do you trust me? Did it to I think Hugh Morris, Charvo Guerrero, um, Chuck Palumbo asking, "Do you trust me?" Um, and it gets to Taz, Taz who was the the commentator at the time, and Taz basically comes in the ring and says, "I'll say what a lot of these people won't say that we don't like you and we don't trust you." Um, and he ends up beating Taz down, and the rest of the 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 uh, ECW and WCW Alliance uh, wrestlers leave Austin, um, essentially uh, proving that they don't trust him, and leave him high and dry. But in the middle of that promo, Austin started a, a catchphrase that that took off and took off a lot. He started chanting "What?" Mm. Now. It, it started very slowly, once uh, or twice in, uh, in 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 that promo. Um, but over the years, it became a, a fixture of wrestling. 
uh, when Austin was doing it, yeah, it was very popular, very, um, the fans loved it. Uh, Austin was getting some really good reactions uh, and that's all well and good. But it started to to kind of permeate its way into other people's promos and it was like a way of fans taking over a show. Um, there was a, a famous one with uh, Carmella where she got flustered. I think uh, Charlotte Flair has, uh, has been flustered because of it. Uh, so, yeah, for me, this week, going into the Hall of Lame has to be the what chant. Oh, I 100% agree, mate. 100% agree. Apparently, it started from a voicemail he left for Christian. Okay. He rang Christian up um, and was just talking as he, I think he was driving somewhere and was just talking and leaving him a really long, stupid voicemail. And he was going, I've just passed a, a, a Dunkin' Donuts. A, a what? A Dunkin' Donuts. A what? A Dunkin'. And he, that's what he was doing, like just to be a dick on the, on the guy's answer, answer phone. And Christian said, that's quite funny. You should use it. Mm-hmm. Apparently it kind of developed from there, but I, I hundred percent agree. It was, it was good when Austin was doing it. But then even when Austin wasn't around and it, it hung around for so long and it just ruined, it ruined promos. Yeah. You know, some really Absolutely. big moments in wrestling kind of had to either overcome that what chant or were ruined by the what, the what chant. Yeah. If you weren't a wrestler who was a hundred percent confident with your character, that could have easily thrown you off. Uh, there have been a few uh, talents who have been able to use it to their advantage. Uh, Alexa Bliss was superb at kind of like turning the, the watch chant into, uh, into a talking point. Um, Mr. McMahon, uh, when he was talking about Bret Hart, um, they started, the fans started a watch chant up and he, he turned it on them saying, if you're an idiot from uh, Hartford, say what? And then they, they did and they proved his point. Uh, and then the best one and the most infamous one was uh, Undertaker when oh, uh, yeah. he yeah. when he said, uh, uh, "Say what if you if you like to sleep with your sister?" And <laughs> like the fa- you could hear the fans going, "What? Uh, no, no, no! We'll, yeah. like, we'll let that one down." <laughs> but yeah, the watch chant was amazing at the time. Was was quite funny for a few years afterwards, and then got ridiculous and and became a ruiner of, of promos. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you're right to get you're right to chuck it in the hall of name. It deserves its spot again. Something that was ruined by being overdone. So yeah, hundred percent. Oh, joining it, Magsy, joining it. It was surprised absolutely nobody that I'm going to go to WCW. <laughs> uh, ruined. Yeah. Okay, Sharon. Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get on with that first before I chuck my Hall of Lame entry in, okay? How do you say the word ruined? Ruined. Right. Ruined. Yeah, there's an I in it. Ruined. Ruined. That's how I pronounce it. Ruined, right? Okay. Everyone in my house mocks me because apparently I overemphasize. I go ruined. Apparently I overemphasize the the I at the end. So all the kids laugh. The I at the end? Yeah, like the well, one, not, not at the end. It's like, you know, towards the end, isn't it? It's one letter away from the end. Of, of ruin. ruin. Yeah. yeah. And the same for ruined. It's like, you know. In the middle. But yeah. They all, my wife and my kids for years have just mocked me. Every time I say, oh, you, that's going to be ruined. They're like, ooh, ruined, ruined. <laughs> and it hurts me. I still upset so me. how do they <laughs> say it? Uh, do you know what? I don't know. No, I'm on the spot. Well, they, uh, I'll tell you how they. I'll tell you how they say it. They literally say it in that voice, mocking me now. They don't say ruined properly anymore. They say it mocking me. Wow! Just to, that's, every that's opportunity. Evil. That's, that's, that's evil. bad. Isn't it? I'm tormented, mate, in my own home. 
So you know? that so ruined is your house's watch end. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sharon there in the chat saying it's like Stewie from ruined. Family Guy. I say what, like that? Stewie from Family oh, Guy. Oh, that say whip whip say cool whip cool whip. Yeah, that, that. sort of thing. And sometimes I can hear it. Ruined. You know, sometimes, sometimes I can hear it. It's just, Ruined. You know. <laughs> Ruined. But it's just, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's funny because I don't realise I've done it. And then even Charlie, the youngest, they'll jump straight on it and they'll go, they'll, they'll say it, you know, it's uh, yeah, there we go. Cool whip. Oh, cool whip. <laughs> Ruined. Ruined. We've ruined I'm this gonna, segment now. I'm going to mock you incessantly for that now. Brilliant. So not only am I going to get it at home, I'm going to get it live on chain wrestling as well. Mm-hmm. Ruined. I've ruined chain wrestling now. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Okay. Hall of Lame from me this week. WCW 1996. A very good time in wrestling. A very good time in wrestling. The NWO is kicking off. We've got Hollywood Hogan. Uh, the, the Crow Sting storyline is starting to find its way and form and so on. Really good time for wrestling. WCW decided, you know, we're going to capitalize on something outside of wrestling that is quite popular and try and get more eyes onto our product. So they looked at a video game entitled Mortal Kombat, looked at a character called Sub-Zero and thought, that's a bloody good idea. But guess what, Max? It was not. (laughs) They were very much mistaken. Uh, (laughs) uh, What have you done to my name? <laughs> uh, at SJP words ruined for the benefit of everyone on the audio version. Fantastic. <laughs> oh man. Yes, uh, this individual was called Glazier. And he was dressed up like the guy from Mortal Kombat, Sub Zero. But he was he was legit a martial artist as well. He, he could literally handle himself. But it wasn't just that. It was the fact that the, the gimmick given to him. We had all these promotional vignettes. And, all the, and basically, it, it created excitement around the character. Because there was a lot of money spent on these vignettes. A lot of money spent on these little video clips and trailers. And then when the guy actually arrived and had his first match, there was a crazy amount of money spent. On, on his entrance and the entrance was spectacular you had all the snow falling uh, you had the laser lights going off his ring gear and so on as well the issue was though that cost $35,000 a pop Jesus okay there's also there's also stuff you can read elsewhere about half a million dollars being spent to set it up initially and then $35,000 a pop but that part of it I am I can't find anywhere properly confirmed but the $35,000 in entrance I, I can I had confirmed from a few other places yeah so Glacier it, it just and what's this one did you just call him Glacier Sai? he was like Sub-Zero not a bloody window installer <laughs> well it's probably where he's gone now to be a window installer to be fair you know 15 years later he bought Manchester United yeah that's right <laughs> Uh, but this guy comes to the ring and and uh, right up to this moment it still looks cool and then the bell rings for them to start the match they have to wait for two minutes for him to take all the gear off because this whole get up is so big you know and it takes bloody ages to get all this stuff off and then they start actually wrestling and i say wrestling in the loosest of terms he's there 
doing his martial arts and doing certain routines and, and poses and, and, and so on. And he wins a couple of matches, but as soon, honestly, as soon as the bell started to ring and the match began, everyone just realized how lame this was. All the money WCW threw at this character, Glacier, it's just, it was wasted. The entrance lasted, I think, maybe four or five weeks. So straight away, after all the, all the money spent and the vignettes and the build-up, they dropped him. You know, they, they, <laughs> they dropped the entrance to him just now being a martial arts guy. And believe it or not, he even hung around for another couple of years. And I think he's still around in WCW kind of like 99-ish, late 99 maybe. Just as some guy who does a bit of martial arts named Glacier. But it was, it was dire, mate. So that's my entrance into the Hall of Lame this week. The, the potential to be brilliant. And, and again, coining the phrase, I suppose, from Bruce Pritchard. And then that bloody bell out to ring. Not a good look, pal. Not a good look. No, and fair play to the guy. He tried to make it work. Um, like I said, he was, a, a, he was generally uh, an expert at martial arts. But yeah, that was... It was typical of WCW trying to cash in on, on mainstream. Sometimes it worked. A lot of the time, it absolutely did not. Um, I believe, uh, and I think um, Mort said it in the, in the chat, that he was in the uh, AW Battle Royal as well, uh, the first yes. one. Yep. Um, so fair play on him to uh, have made a, a career out of the gimmick, but yeah, a very worthy entrance. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's banging around now doing signings and so on. You know, mm-hmm. these these online signings that people do via Facebook Lives and all that sort of stuff. And then, like, the conventions as well. So he's making a few quid out of it still. So fair play to the guy. And obviously, like you said, appeared in AEW as well, which is, you know, you know, good good luck to him. But after all that build-up and all that money, yeah. I think he's... Lame, uh, all the lame-worthy. Oh, definitely. But I think his career's kind of... Uh, it's done a full 180 where he's gone from being cringy to now being cool again because that's how wrestling works. It's all mm. it's all a cycle. So uh, fair play to him, but you're right. This uh, definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Lame. It was it was just never going to work. No, you're right. You're right. Oh, shall I have a quick pop into the chat again, Magsy, before we go have a little, little, little look at our non-wrestling topic? Uh, yeah, so Matt Willis seems to think that d- don't pronounce the R, Sars should be a T-shirt, makes a, makes a, <laughs> a good point there. Uh, Cameron's saying, don't ruin it, Sars, I'm still watching 1995. That's even it, Scot- it's going to be a T-shirt. <laughs> Scottish Danny even picking you up on, on Galazia. If, if Scottish Danny is mocking you, you know you've said something wrong. Um, oh, man. Matt said, as a video game journalist with credentials, this character offends me. Glacier deserves to be in the Hall of Lame. Very, very true. Um, Dan, did you call him Glacier, sir? He was like Sub-Zero, not a bloody window installer. Um <laughs> I will not have this sad bullying on. I will oh, not have it. Sorry, Mort. Thanks, it mate. happens on a, a weekly basis. So um, you're about 46 weeks late to, to start defending. <laughs> but I appreciate it, mate. I really do. Thank you. <laughs> Dan Griffin uh, says Glacier needs to be a, a one man's meat episode topic at Scottish Danny. Uh, and Danny's saying, I'm shocked Tony Khan hasn't signed him as a manager. Um, I wouldn't be actually surprised if he's not working some sort of backstage spot. Mm. Um, Glacier's entrance and vignettes were the best bit about him. Uh, character built to sell action figures that they were never made. And yep, typical WCW. Yeah, oh yeah they, exactly. That's exactly WCW, isn't it? They, In a nutshell, they, right there. Yeah, there was a plan there. You can tell that there was a plan there, but 
it shit the bed and, and nothing nothing come of it. Um, Mort saying, yeah, doesn't he have a hand in, in the nightmare factor? Yeah, I thought he'd... He, I mean, he'd be the kind of person who would be good at, at training with uh, with mm-hmm. his uh, martial arts expertise. Um, Scottish Danny saying something. I'm a little bit perturbed by this, saying Gangrel went from cringy to cool. I don't think Gangrel has ever been cringy. Gangrel has always been awesome. His music is the best bit about him. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Gangrel himself, but his music is... That was fantastic, wasn't it? The brood music. Yeah, I agree. I think Gangrel has always been cool. Vampires are cool. Yeah. Dan Griffin agrees with me. There we go. There we go. Yeah, vampires are cool, man. And for those who need to know about the the football, Croatia and France drew one apiece. Okay, um, <laughs> let's jump across to Twitter and a couple via WhatsApp for our non-wrestling topic this week. This week we asked, if you could be turned into any animal at all, what would be the best and what would be the worst? And we got some quite interesting responses and the reasons behind some of these responses are very interesting as well. It was kind of inspired by a recording that I did with Dan Griffin for the Doctor Who pod. And you can see the image there on the uh, on the screen via our Twitter and so on. There was and Dan and Sarah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Me, that, that's us recording. Yeah, that's us recording, mate. <laughs> <laughs> what you can't see is the microphones dangling down from above. You know, little earbuds in, and we're recording away. Yeah, that's my ginger beer. You can see it. <laughs> uh, no, and the, these are I- images here, and people would have seen it on our um, our Twitter and Facebook and so on as well. So. Uh, <laughs> These, these people were turned into animals as a punishment in, in this episode of Doctor Who. So it just kind of got me thinking. I put it forward to Mags and he said, yeah, let's see what we get. So that's kind of where it stemmed from, really. Uh, and speaking of Dan Griffin and the Doctor Who pod, that's where we will start, Magsy. Um, we have here from Dan Griffin, at DanGriffin21 on Twitter. He says, the best is be- would be to be a cat. Do whatever the fuck you want from sleeping all day up to and including destruction of property and still be loved and revered. Worst, a dung beetle who wants to roll in shit all day. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I mean, if you're a dung beetle, surely you enjoy rolling around in shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, horses for courses. If uh, if you were a dung beetle, you, that'd be the best thing ever if you had a big yeah. old pile of shit. So I think Dan's <laughs> judging it as a human and not as if he was a dung beetle. Mm, yeah, but to be fair, we didn't actually put out specific criteria, did we? We just kind of no, no, no. Okay, left, that's fair. Left it quite vague, so yeah. But yeah, I think as a dung beetle, you, you'd quite like having a big old bit of chod to roll around, wouldn't you? So mm-hmm. yeah, best as a, as a cat, do whatever you want, sleep all day, and destroy property and still be loved. Yeah, I can I can testify to that. You know, we've got four cats, and as many people know, that one of them is a bloody idiot. He trashes the place. Who, who now sleeps on his back. Yes, he's taken to sleeping on his back, which is a picture I'll have to tweet out so everyone can see that as well. But yeah, he trashes the place, wrecks things and so on. And yeah, and he's pretty nasty to me unless he wants food. But I still pick him up and try and give him a cuddle. So, <laughs> uh, Mort with a great point. Also, if you're a cat, you could lick yourself. Wouldn't have to leave the house, mate. 
Exactly. <laughs> and that's the real reason that Dan wants to be a cat. Ah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, MGB Graham at MGB Graham on Twitter. He says here, a cat as well. I'll take a cat because you have nine lives. Get to eat plenty and sleep 16 hours a day. And you don't have to give a shit about anything. Sounds good to me. Fair enough. Again, it, I can back that. It seems to be a running theme where people don't want to give a shit about yeah. about anything. Just get away with, with blue murder. Yeah, yeah. And, and then just sleep. Seems to be yeah. the... <laughs> win win yeah i guess you know trash the place and kip fair enough you know <laughs> uh at good bad wrestle here which i guess is graham as well uh hashtag bad cop animal a sloth it would take freaking ages to get anywhere and you'd always be tired hmm okay i mean a sloth again, always kind of like a cat you can sleep as long as you want aren't they called a sloth just because it takes them so long and they are lazy and so on but uh, i don't know if they're actually tired are they yeah, they they sleep a hell of a lot. They just mm. ve- have very low um, metabolisms. Right. So okay. They, um, I, I remember watching. I think it was a David Matt- Attenborough uh, show. But if they um, if they one of the babies fall from the mother's mum's sloth and the mum goes down to collect the baby from the floor, um, she wouldn't have the energy to get back up in the trees. So they'd end up both dying. So they just have to let the baby. Yeah, essentially. Fucking hell, Max. Yeah. Way to kill the mood. I think That's it's horrific. because the, the food that they eat is so uh, low in nutrients that that that's just how how their life is. Just slow and ambling. Plus, My diet's they, not really full of nutrients, to be fair. Plus, they piss and shit all over themselves. Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like some people are a night out in Gloucester to be fair <laughs> <laughs> this took a dark turn Scottish Dana and they're hilarious in Zootopia so there is that if you uh, if you lack a cartoon version of a sloth they'll be absolutely fine yeah, and okay. Fitch on one of, uh, one of uh, the episodes of their podcast reckoned he couldn't beat up a sloth I mean you could you could absolutely got, like- beat a sloth up haven't they got massive claws though, like huge, long, you know? To, yeah, because they use them to grip the branches to 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 move about. Yeah, but so by the time they swung, slot. yeah, but they can't swing with any pace. You build that outwit of sloth, surely. <laughs> okay, but I, I'm thinking more maybe as you're fighting a motivated sloth. You know, because if if the if it's in a, if the sloth is in a fight, if it's got to that point where you're fighting a sloth, surely the sloth is motivated to have a scrap. You know. Yeah, but where would it get the energy from? It can't have the energy to go and collect its its newborn baby from the from the rainforest floor. Just yeah, a okay. swift boot, and that's that that sloth is done for. <laughs> a swift boot, and you've won the scrap with a motivated sloth. <laughs> Ah, okay fair enough mate fair enough uh good cop bad cop on twitter also sent us a article here uh, and it's i think it's a joke website he explains but we've got an image here of a man pretending to be a cow (laughs) in a milking competition and gets jacked off for hours (laughs) oh you can be as rude as you like with me and of course that guy was from texas uh, of course yeah, he was. I didn't, yeah. 
Ah, yeah, okay. Well, there we go. There we go. Says a lot that. Says a lot that. We'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, I have one here via WhatsApp from my sister, and she doesn't really dive into much details, but she says, ha, the best animal surely has to be a pig. Also, worst animal is a pig. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, because they are ace, but also not. I'm assuming my sister had been drinking again. So- <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of sense in that, but I, I can see mm. uh, uh, thinking why they're the best animal. I've always wanted a pet pig, but Mrs. Mags will never let me get one. Um, but yeah, best and worst. I don't know if that mm. that could could be a thing, but thanks for thanks for taking part. <laughs> a pet pig would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, because you know, they're not actually that—they're not actually dirty animals, are they? They're quite clean animals. Well, I mean, they do live in stars, and there well, is yeah, the term "pig star" for when yeah. something is a, a, a tip. Yeah, no, I get that, but they live in stories because they're put there. Do you know what I mean? If they're not, well, no, they—they they, they would make the mud slide. No, you're missing my point. They're not—they're not. They're not dirty animals as such are they they're not like a sloth shitting and pissing all over itself and then just lying in it a pig will go and clean itself and stuff they may do you may be right they do look like dirty animals to me though okay <laughs> oh cam on twitter at cam griff 92 <laughs> jesus uh I, I read this wrong the first time i read this as best has to be a kimono dragon but that's like a dressing gown, isn't it? <laughs> what, just, just comfy, <laughs> comfy, sat on the settee yeah. with a pipe and slippers, a, a Komodo dragon. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he actually wrote Komodo dragon because just because they are absolute beasts. The worst is a naked mole rat. Unfortunately, it reminds me of myself getting out the shower. <laughs> Oof. Uh, so, yeah, um, I remember again seeing on a, a David Attenborough show Komodo dragon uh, killing, I think it was a wildebeest, and all okay. it did was it just nipped the ankle of the wildebeest, but their their saliva is so venomous that that was enough to kill the wildebeest, but it took, like, three days, and they just followed this wildebeest till it essentially just gave up the ghost and died and then they ate, they ate the wildebeest but yeah they they are pretty brutal animals that's not just brutal that's like really tenacious and and mm-hmm. you know planning ahead and so on isn't it yeah well yeah i mean i'm gonna be hungry in about three days let me just yeah. kill this, this fancy bit of wildebeest, wildebeest. In three days, <laughs> 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 bit of wildebeest pie or something you know <laughs> Oh, uh, Steve-O on Twitter at Total Steve-O he says in the words of Carl Pilkington worst a wasp as everyone wants to kill you <laughs> best the king of the jungle uh, a lion no one will mess with you and he says personally he's obsessed with giant snakes so I'll be a giant python one of the few animals at London Zoo everyone is scared of uh, what are your thoughts on snakes Magsy? I'm not a massive fan if I'm, if I'm being honest um Jan almost wants like the the path and yeah I mean you can't not be terrified of that but normal size snakes the I'm, I'm I'd be weary but I'm not like definitely afraid of them. What's a normal size snake? Well, you know, like less than ten foot. Less than ten foot is a normal snake. So so if if a snake is over ten foot, it's an abnormal snake. Is it? It's a yeah, it's very <laughs> abnormal. 
Yeah. Yeah, I've, okay. I've had my picture taken with like a snake wrapped around me and stuff like that. That was for a special website, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Snakehub.com. Yeah, Snake. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, a wasp as well. Everyone wants to kill you. I mean, that's true. What is the point in wasps? What do they actually do? Uh, Charlie, cover your ears. Wasps are cunts. I hate wasps. Whoa. <laughs> they are. They are the. They are the twat of the animal world, aren't they? Yeah. They absolutely no benefit to them. I mean, obviously they pollinate stuff. I get that, but they pricks. It's what they're just bad tempered dickheads. Mm. Yeah, okay. and they kill what bees the as well. What do they? Oh, see, I like bees. I like bees. Yeah. But, so, yeah, what, so there must be a wasps. reason for them to exist. It's like you know, it's like it's like spiders. They eat flies, don't they? You know, and stuff like that. Now, I'm not a fan of spiders, but I appreciate there's a, there's a reason for their existence. What is the purpose of a wasp? What 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 what's the fucking point in a wasp? <laughs> yeah, they they do pollinate stuff. They do go from flower to flower and pollinate. So right, so they really we like a bee. Get, yeah, they don't. Uh, they don't make honey in the same way as a bee does. But, yeah, they do pollinate stuff because they have to eat, so they still eat nectar. So, what? What's, again, though, what is the point? Because bees do that. Why don't wasps just be bees? I'd, 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 maybe they <laughs> had an argument back in, back in the day and they were like two warring families. <laughs> the wasps are like a, a, a rebellion force or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a big like, yellow and black the, civil war. The wasps war. are the northerners, and the bees are the southerners. So that would make that would, you know, the wasps kind of your end of the country. Yeah. yeah, the twats. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Now, I'm just, every time I see a wasp or a bee, I'm gonna be like, man, that's like a, a civil, a yellow and black civil war that's been waging on for like hundreds of years between these two. <laughs> but honestly, like Game if, of Thrones. Yeah. You can see my point, though, can't you? If a bee pollinates things, what, why, what's the point in a wasp? Why is it even... Do you know what I mean? It, it doesn't serve... It serves no purpose to us. Well, yeah, it does, because they still pollinate stuff that, that we use. Yeah, but the bees can do it as well, can't they? So what's the point? That's the thing I'm trying to say. And we get, and we get honey from bees, and bees are nice. Yeah, but it's not only bees that pollinate. Lots of uh, flying insects and, and birds pollinate stuff. That's not just the job. It's not. They haven't come in like a bunch of Polish people to do the job cheaper and more efficient than bees. <laughs> well, there you go. Look. If if wasps, <laughs> if if they were more efficient than bees at pollinating stuff, I could understand their purpose because they're more efficient, right? But if they do the same job as bees, then what is the point? Because we get honey from bees as well, and bees are you know famously pollinate stuff well. So what is the point? I I, I I am on the side of you. I don't think that wasps should be a thing. They they're evil. <laughs> they're bad tempered. But they do. It's not like they haven't stolen the bees' job. They're not okay. coming undercutting them. They're not. <laughs> Jesus That's brilliant. I, I they're, don't. They're not like wasps. the parkies of of the flying kingdom where they promise to tarm at your driving and, and just run off with your five grand. No, that's the pigeons. The pigeons are that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's brilliant as well. I, I agree. Wasps shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just, they should not exist. <laughs> they definitely shouldn't. They're assholes. Nah. Uh, we have a couple more that are via WhatsApp, Magsy, and then I think we are done for the day. Um, uh, uh, you've missed 
Oh, have I missed uh, one? Rob, have I missed you've one? Missed I have. UTT oh. Rob. Can you read that one out then? It looks like I haven't snatched um, that one onto my phone. I can. So Rob uh, at UTT Rob says the best is an otter. Uh, relatively smart. I mean, <laughs> what a what a way to start. That these are the best. And then negs them straight away. Like they're relatively smart, yeah. not the smartest, but smart enough. Uh, they're above they, average. <laughs> yeah, they use tools. Uh, so much hair that it can't get wet. Rarely gets preyed upon and pisses around in the water all day. That sounds like a really good laugh, actually. Yeah. Uh, the worst is a dog. Uh, think about where they lick and that they are completely dependent on humans. And and Chris uh, Hamilton. Um, makes a good point. My dog does what the fuck he wants because he's living the dream. Which, yeah, that sounds absolutely right. Yeah, fair enough. I suppose. I suppose Mill Chris's dog is kind of like how we've described a cat then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, fair enough. His dog's called Roman, I think, isn't he? I've seen pictures of him on Twitter, and that he's a, he's a mm-hmm. big old beast. Great dog, he is. Yeah, fair play. Okay. Uh, we get another mention of the dog here actually on WhatsApp from Charlie. If she is still listening, and after you using the C word more than once, I kind of hope not. And <laughs> I, I did, I did warn to cover ears the first time, <laughs> just not the four, fifth, six, or nah, seven. Uh, Charlie says, dog or cat, because you can just sleep all day. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, fair enough. And she didn't really have one for a bad one. But yeah, again, it comes back to sleep. And Charlie does like her bed. Charlie does like to sleep. You know, she will, mm-hmm. if, especially if there's a wrestling pay-per-view on and she's been up watching it. We might not see Charlie till tea time the following day. You know, four or five o'clock, she might, we might hear a bit of noise from her bedroom. But yeah, she will sleep all day, mate. It's, wow. it's shocking. She's a sloth. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I hope she doesn't shit and piss it all down herself. No, no, she does not. She does not. She's old enough now to <laughs> practice our control. <laughs> yeah, but she does like her sleep, mate. She really does like her sleep. Uh, and to finish off then, again, via WhatsApp magazine, uh, Mr. Matt Willis, he says here, best and worst animals, it would depend on the country you're in, as some animals he are... He just revealed. can't answer a question, can he? He, he always <laughs> has to caveat things like... Just... Uh, Matt, I it, love would, you. it would depend on the country you're in, as some animals are revered and worshipped, like the cat in ancient Egypt. I, I, can, mm-hmm. I can understand that, I suppose. You know, um, personally though, the best animal to be turned into, given the choice, has to be the falcon, winged lord of the skies. Imagine being able to glide around on the air currents all day, top of the avian food chain, and being respected. Fair enough, yeah, I can get that. Yeah, I mean, seagulls can also glide around on the current all day, I suppose. But yeah, falcon is a great pick. And I bet seagulls get more chips. Yeah. <laughs> than a fal- you don't see many falcons at Western near. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, very, very true. Oh, Liv there saying in the chat, sorry, Sharon there saying, Liv says the best is a goat. My My middle daughter, Liv, is obsessed with goats. When we used to go on holiday and take the dog to the kennels, um, there was a couple of goats who lived on, on the pit where the dog would go into the kennels. And she would just be obsessed with these these goats. And she's constantly asking, can we get goats for the garden? The answer is always no. It's not going to happen. But she just... And, well, and this is like a... Well, well, she can move out and get her own house and do it herself, can't she? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know, I don't want... 
I didn't want any of the animals we got, and now I'm attached to them all. I'm not going to expand even more. I don't want goats in the garden. <laughs> yeah, but at least the goat will be useful with milk and goat's cheese. And then... Oh, see, that sounds like work. Goat meat. Goat meat. Yeah, that's right. You have goat curry, can't you? You can. It's yeah, delicious. Okay. Huh. Yeah. But, again, though, I've, I've, I've seen something that says that goats are actually quite high-maintenance. Like, well, hard to, to keep. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, mean, think- I don't mean high-maintenance as in, like, you know, they sulk all the time. You Fucking hell, that goat's at it again. Jesus <laughs> you know? Christ. I'm always giving it that meh, meh. Yeah, getting arsy with you when you don't tax back quick enough. I don't mean that kind of high-maintenance. <laughs> maybe that's where it comes from. Oh, you're getting on my goat. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, anyway, Matt Willis does also say, worst animal has to be a rat. He says he has a psychological fear of the damn things, and if he was to be one, that would be unbearable. Uh, this is him admitting a genuine fear, he says. would appreciate you guys not mocking that. Okay. We won't. We're definitely probably going to mock the fact that you're scared <laughs> of a rat. Uh, they're like, they're like that big. They're like that big. Is that on its hind legs, is it? Because you're going that way. <laughs> yeah, well, that big thing. See, if yeah, I did it like that, though, you can't You can't see. Well, it's... no, but do that way, then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Front have you carbs. Have you... <laughs> Front carbs, yeah. Have you forgotten how wrists work? <laughs> <laughs> and and also calves and shins. Yeah. What was that? Oh, you were, you were messaging me about your tattoos, weren't you? We were, yeah. we were talking on, yeah. And you said about tattoos on. <laughs> You're going to have to say it because I laugh too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about um, tattoos and someone said you had lovely calves. Is that right? Um, so I said, oh, well, I've got like song lyrics wrote on, on my legs uh, but on the front calves and <laughs> I have no idea why I said front calves not <laughs> the slightest clue because straight to it front calves don't you mean shins and I'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I meant fucking shins yeah he's got two he's got back calves and front calves his foot can go in all different directions <laughs> <laughs> yeah it spins around in a circle that's it <laughs> like one of those old action figures like you know <laughs> front calves <laughs> see there you're getting a lot of grief about not wanting any goats Sharon saying we need some goats. Imagine the free milk. Goat meat is tasty. They'll cut your grass as well. Will those sassy goats? Fitch will be in the garden dressed as a goat. I'll have the guy in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just randomly wanting to get milked. <laughs> <laughs> like the block to get meh dressed as a goat. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, again, that's took a bit of a dark turn, hasn't it? Uh, thank you so, so much to everyone who sent in responses to our non-wrestling topic again this week. It's always hugely appreciated, whether that was via Twitter, WhatsApp, however you got in touch. As me and Magsy say all the time, this show wouldn't exist if it weren't for you. So thank you so, so much for that. Yep, absolutely. I suppose then, Mags, I suppose, if we haven't got anything else in the in the chat to catch up with, we uh we should be getting on and talking a bit of wrestling, shouldn't we? Uh, you don't want to find out what animals I would want to be. Well, oh yeah, I suppose. Go on then. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you awesome. know what I've not? Do you know what I've not done this week, mate? Do you know what I've not done? You've not. You've not done your animal. I've not got a format, and that's why that's why I missed that out. Because on my oh. format, on my on my run my running order for the show, 
it would say non-wrestling topic Twitter, then non-wrestling topic Soy and Max, and I've not got it up, so I didn't see it. See, so I come back and it's it all goes to shit. It does. It I'm more relaxed. To, man. I, I ain't got trials. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll carry you on my back. Exactly. Um, With your super strong front calves. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I didn't admit things on the show because it's out there now <laughs> in the ether and I could never take it back. Mm. Um, uh, some really good picks for best animals. Uh, I think I would have to agree that the best animal has to be a pet animal because they are absolutely doted on and, and get mm-hmm. um they get spoiled so um i'm gonna go with dog i'm gonna go against uh robbie's uh he's looked at it as as a human being a dog i'm looking at it as a dog's a, a dog being a dog a la- the life of a dog you get to lick yourself which would be that just the dream you it's get, funny how often we've come back to that. <laughs> no, but it, it's, it just feels like it would be a cool thing to do, to just be able to lick yourself. Um, you get fed, you get uh, watered, and you get to just have the time of your life chasing a ball or a stick across a field. Mm. And just, just they just always look so happy like yeah. everything is the best thing in the world and the one thing that they do is it's with a dog is it's unconditional love they absolutely adore their their owners or their masters so yeah i think the best would be a dog for me and the worst another one that's been mentioned wasps because mm. they cunts oh my god <laughs> they are that indeed they are that indeed yes i think wasp would be probably my my negative uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by Matt Willis saying about the Falcon and, and the, the, the aspect of being able to fly. That intrigues me. Speaking of Matt Willis saying there, he's got to call it a night. Take care. You'll catch yep, the audio later, version Matt. on Wednesday. Have a good one. Cheers, Matt. I'll speak to you later, mate. Uh, yeah, the idea of flying does, on one hand, intrigue me, but on the other hand, I'm scared of heights, so I probably wouldn't go very high. So you're intrigued by the, the thought of flying, but mm. only about a foot off the ground. Well, no, I go a bit higher. I'm, I'm six foot tall now, so I'm okay with that height. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but that's all because your feet are on the floor. If your if your whole body was six foot off the ground, I think you would be a bit yeah, more worried. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of of being up in the air or anything, mate. But yeah, I, I don't know. The idea of flying intrigues me, but it also scares me at the same time. So, Sir the ground falcon, the ground falcon. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a really bad action film doesn't it <laughs> yeah one of the ones that stallone or schwarzenegger made in the 80s it never quite caught on yeah the ground falcon or <laughs> sa uh, would be a flying fish uh, okay they, they, they like come out the water and just you know literally glide through the air for a bit don't they and they land back in yeah yeah so that'd be right being a fish would be quite cool until you get ate by a shark well, well, yeah, okay, but I mean, at the same time, any any animal has got potential of being hurt or, or killed in some way, haven't they? So you could apply that. Well, well I suppose where to take that dark sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, I think I think a negative animal, an animal that would would really suck, would be a snail because... or a slug. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, at no, least a I... snail's got a house. It can like. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. A slug is just what? What are they? What are they for? They're like a homeless snail, aren't they? Yeah. What are they for? They're like 
they're like the wasps of the ground. What's the point? Yeah, I mean, do, they don't even pollinate stuff. No, they just leave trails everywhere, and then mm. when you stand on them with that with n- no shoes on, they get all squeezed in between yeah. your toes. Uh, yeah. Do you know what's worse than standing on a slug with no shoes on? Standing on one with socks on. Yeah. Oh, mate, that is the worst. Standing on a big fat slug with socks yeah. on. Because uh, it still goes squishy between your toes, but it's almost like it's been pushed through a sieve before. <laughs> you know? oh, and then when you lift your foot up, you see all the yellow like guts oh, everywhere. It's not good. And it's got one of its eyes like, out on its stalk. Just like, you know, just full of pain looking at you like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> I hate slugs. Slugs but are Snails, it's like, where, you know, a bit of rain and snails just come piling out of our hedge across our driveway. So you go walk out in the garden or whatever, or, or try and you know go put the bins out. It's just, it's just crunch, crunch, oh, crunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just going out <laughs> like the giant, just destroying sl- snails everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I mean, we had a pet snail for a while. Well, Ch- Charlie had a pet snail for a while. Uh, Gracie was his name, and um, it was like one of these African land snails. Okay, and, and it was literally big. like. Yeah, it was like the size of a 5p. Its shell was like the size of a 5p when we got it. And then by the time it finally died, it was, I kid you not, mate, it was like, it was huge. It was, I, I got a picture of it and it's longer than an ordinary pen that I've got on the f- next to it for size. It was no. massive. It was huge. It, if I, it sounds like a mutant. It was massive, mate. It was massive. But the problem is, you'd be sat there at night watching watching the telly or whatever, and it'd be you know it it it'd be in the dark or whatever, watching something a bit creepy, and you start hearing this like noise in the back room, and I'd get up and I'd be looking around, I'd be like, "What the hell is that?" I'd be checking the door, I'd be making sure the windows are shut. What is that noise? You know, it, it would turn out it was the snail doing laps of his tank, and its massive shell that was the size of my fist was just dragging across the, the glass of the tank. Oh, wow. But it was so slow and methodical. It, honestly, this snail scared the shit out of me one night. It was terrifying. No, I I think once it got to a certain size, that that would be a, a out in the garden snail. See you later. <laughs> Sharon in the chat did say that um, Liv is heaving with us talking about snails and slugs. She is the other way to Charlie. My youngest is snail obsessed. She loves them. Even now, she'll run out into the garden to see the little baby snails when they come out in the rain. Like, she loves snails. Whereas Liv is the other way. She freaking despises them. Like, these are her... She, she, ain't, she ain't scared her of snakes. Her mortal enemy. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, totally. She's not scared of snakes. She's not scared of spiders. She's not bothered by anything. But a snail freaks her out, makes her a wretch, all sorts, mate. Wow. Yeah. Got a little bit sidetracked then, didn't we? We did. Uh, yeah. We'll quickly go through this chat, though, but... Um, Dan saying that slugs are little dollops of effing useless slam. <laughs> totally agree. Cameron agreeing with me, saying that uh, they're just homeless snails. And more same Fitch reminds him of a slug. Uh, pretty, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> pretty mean. Pretty mean there. Uh, Dan, I once stood on a frog with no shoes. Oh. oh Have you heard a frog scream? No. Do they scream? Oh, do they ever, mate? If a cat catches a oh, frog... Ah! Yeah, yeah, no, but like higher, mate, higher pitched, like proper. I, I, I can't go high, higher than that. 
like real hot, <laughs> really high pitched screams. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to find it online if you Google it or whatever. But yeah, we had um, one got stuck in like the wire mesh at my nan's house, and I had to, I had to get it out. And it was literally screaming. And then if I, if you ever get a cat that catches a frog, they 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 scream, mate. So really high pitched scream. Mm. It's weird. I'll look that up. Uh, Dan Griffin saying snail sampede at shares uh, sir. <laughs> I can just imagine you going out of a morning just crunching the, the snails on purpose. No, I've got to be really careful now. I've effectively got to walk on tiptoe looking down to avoid them because I don't want to stand on the snails. Oh, well, then your, your uh, other podcast partner, Scottish Danny, says he loves snails, so there you go. You didn't want to upset him. Uh, more, uh, Fitch replying to Mort saying that he reminds him of a a word that I can't say because I've been told <laughs> off. Um, You've Cam used up asked, your C-word quota for a month on this show, I think. Cam wants to know if you roll your wheel of cheese over the snails. No, I do not. I do not, because that would ruin the snail and the cheese. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that, that's t- just two wrongs don't make a rat. No, they don't. Um, more, I have no idea why that drew the image to me of Sar destroying Smurfs. Okay. The snails and smurfs, yeah, snails and smurfs aren't. I wouldn't say they go together. They don't remind me of each other. Well, no, they 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 look pretty different. One's a little blue dude with a white hat on, and the other one's a a, a fucking a slug with a a slug with a flat. Well, I suppose they're similar sizes, isn't they? A smurf and a. I suppose they are. Mort says uh, we used to keep pet snails, and my sister put nail varnish on their shells. So she knew who was who, not realizing she was slowly poisoning him. Oh, oh, wow. mate! Look at, well, that was like that was like combined sympathy for the snails. Then <laughs> it was. Um, and where I live has snail in in the village um, from uh, from Fitch. Um, yeah, I've heard a, a frog scream uh, when I caught one. It's got awful. I've never never yeah. even thought that they could scream. Um, Fitch, um, to be honest, Dan, I've never seen a frog with shoes on. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you would be the C word to pop up with that joke there, uh, Fitch. I said it it again, didn't I? It would ruin the cheese. It would. It would, it would, it would. Let's talk some wrestling, Mags. Let's do it. Let's get it. And, and Rumble we shall, because winning the poll this week was the 2002 War Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I have quite strong memories of this that actually turned out to be quite wrong. Mm. So Mandela effect, maybe? Yeah, I mean, what, we'll start off, shall we, with the 7th of January Monday Night Raw, when Triple H makes his return from being out for seven and a half, eight months or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's Madison Square Garden. He comes out. At the, he's basically in the main event slot of the show. The yeah. response when his music hits is huge. The response when he walks out is huge. It, it, it's a real moment. You know, I remember watching this on, I think, a Thursday night. I think Raw was repeated on a Thursday night on Sky at nine o'clock ish. And that's when I'd watch it. And just thinking, why? That crowd is insane. Mm-hmm. This is where my mind played tricks on me, though, because. He starts, you know, as he enters the Royal Rumble and, and so on. And then Kurt Angle comes out and they have a bit of a brawl and, and Triple H overcomes Angle and that's the Monday Night Raw goes off the air. 
I could have sworn the big show came out. What, to rumble with Triple H? Yeah. I was I was adamant, sat down, waiting for the big show to come out. And the big show then took a a, a pedigree from, from Triple H on the Madison Square Garden Raw when Triple H returned from injury. So when Angle's music hit, I was like, oh, okay. Well, perhaps a couple of them come out then. And the show went off the air, and I was like, that's not right. That's not right at all. But obviously it was right, because they were there with the cameras, weren't they? So... And Scottish Daddy saying that that was on the SmackDown. Uh, the following SmackDown, Scottish Daddy. There we go. Wrestling Encyclopedia helps me out again. Thank you very much, Daddy. So you were right, just uh, a couple of days out. Yeah, okay. But it was so weird. because For me, sat there watching that back today, that was trippy as hell because I was expecting mm-hmm. the big show and then Kurt Angle came out and then the show went off the air and I was like, oh. And it's one of those things where I, I remembered it so vividly, but then what I watched back wasn't what I remembered. It, compl- it honestly, it, it spanned me out, mate. It made my head, you know, completely trip me up. Well, so you need to go and watch that SmackDown then, just to to get your memory back in check. Yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, thank you, Scottish Danny. It's very helpful, mate. I'll check that out later. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, the two thousand and two War Rumble comes from Atlanta, Georgia, and we're told it's sold out with I think sixteen and a half thousand people were in the crowd or something in that region, Magsy. And again, my mind kind of made me believe that this was one of the most predictable Royal Rumbles in history. That's the way I always looked back on it with always thinking, okay, Triple H comes back from injury. He's a big star. He wins the Rumble, goes to WrestleMania. That's kind of how, in my head, I remember this. Watching it back, yeah, it still felt that way. But it didn't seem as clean-cut as I remembered. Yeah, I, 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 I can kind of uh, get what, you, what you're saying there. I think in this era, um, there was always one or maybe two people who were almost tacked on to win the the Rumble. The, that's who the storyline revolved around. And with Triple H coming back uh, as, as as a babyface, it was almost destiny that he won this, this Royal Rumble. And we've seen that before when they've had Austin, who was the target man for, uh, for, for weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble, him winning it and things like that. So it, it does kind of make sense. But the... I suppose the the joy of a rumble though is is you never can really know what's going to happen. Um, mm. So whilst you can have a really good guess, there's still twenty nine other ways that the story might end up going. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I think maybe two thousand is the exception to the rule. It was bloody obvious the Rock was winning that no matter what, wasn't it? Really, even though he he shouldn't have actually won it because his feet touched the ground. Yeah. Yeah, so even though it was really, really obvious what was going to happen, they still botched it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. The pay-per-view has a, a really great beginning for me, and then something that was a bit disappointing that I remember looking back and being disappointed about, because it starts with th- this great little intro package of a camera kind of spanning across and catching different memories and bits of commentary as it sc- spans across the, this this whole this whole scene with clips on and so on, which then progresses into quotes from the modern competitors talking about entering the Royal Rumble. And then we hear Jim Ross's voice basically saying, Mr. Perfect, Val Venus, uh, the Godfather, and there was somebody else, Gold Dust, I think it was. Yeah. Are, are returning for the Royal Rumble. 
And I remember thinking, okay, so if those were surprises, that's a shame that that ha- yeah. that was let out of the bag. Yeah, yeah, uh, and especially when you look at Mister Perfect, um, who was essentially drafted him for a one and done, and ended up putting on such a good show that he got a contract out of it. Mm. Um, the one, the one of the best things about the Royal Rumble is those surprises, is the returns, yeah, uh, and to kind of have that um, telegraphed by Jim Ross, yeah, he puts a bit of a, uh, a dampener on it. But it kind of also then leads into how they, they book a Royal Rumble and how they promote a Royal Rumble nowadays because you want to get as many people watching it so they kind of give away who's going to be in the Royal Rumble now, uh, which is a, a, a shame um, because the best part is the surprise, the, yeah. who it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, the last couple of big surprises, I guess, AJ Styles and Edge's recent return uh, mm-hmm. at the Rumble. Those are the two, I think, that I, I sat there and didn't know that was happening for either of those. And that really made me go, why? That, you know, that yeah. was incredible. And I think about those moments, especially, especially the Edge one. If that had been ruined, oh, there's that word again. Okay, so cue everyone in the chat. <laughs> if that had been ruined, it, it, <laughs> that, that, it's a disaster because that is such a great moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And- it would take uh, a wrestling fan with a heart of stone not to get emotional about that Edge comeback because he was mm. one of the guys who one more match and he could be could be spending the rest of his life in a wheelchair, uh, but fought his way back, um, got uh, got uh, second opinions, really kind of worked on his physique and, and made his way back. And yeah, it was an emotional time, and having that ruined and promoted before and yeah he would have absolutely killed it having mm. that ruined and promoted yeah, yeah, um, in the chat there, yeah brilliant <laughs> and, but yeah for, for me the the last massive surprise though before that was the aj stars one i mean i knew he'd left uh new japan i knew he'd signed with wwe but i didn't know he was gonna debut so quickly i mean this was like a couple of days after uh it was uh, announced that him and shinsuke um had, had signed for the company and then he's turning up at, at the royal rumble yeah what a ma- an amazing moment yeah so good man so good something else i liked about this rumble is the stage setup and the little clock they have in the corner the mm-hmm. circle the, you know the, that is something i noticed uh as well um that was cool. The little kind of uh, the light going round the Royal Rumble uh, along the edge of the, the the gold clock and the and the countdown. Um, I know over the last few years they've tried to kind of cut the clock out, and the fans have uh, have just done the countdown anyway to to essentially make them bring the clock back. But yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And if you uh, saw on the the kind of wide uh, pan. The clock was actually on the the big screen as well. Yeah. So yeah, that was a a, a cool thing. And it was a circular big screen as well, wasn't it? Which made mm-hmm. it work even yeah. more. Yeah, really yeah. cool, really cool look, really good looking set and so on. And the laser lights as well. The, this rumble, the, the, the lasting memory I have from the stage set is the round, uh, the round clock and the round countdown screen. But the laser lights, because mm-hmm. they've used laser lights before and since, of course, but these seems to be set up quite differently. And especially when we get to Triple H's entrance, it, it just looks fantastic. All these, these beams of light shooting out into the crowd and so on. It's the first time really I can remember seeing something that well done just with lighting alone. It was almost like a, a pop concert 
yeah. with, with, with how it was set up. And I think it was the way the the entrance was slightly raised above the ring, so um, you could see it really uh, clearly on the on the uh, the camera. They've had some pretty awful Royal Rumble um, um, entrances. There's uh, there's the one that was about 18 mile long and the wrestlers had to essentially run uh, all the way to the ring. Yeah. Uh, I, I prefer the shorter ones and the ones where the, the hard cam is facing the, the, the screen. So you can, you can see the, the video package come up on the, on the, um, on the time trying to see the fans reactions. I always Depends remember the sort of Madison square garden. That doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the John Cena uh, return, absolutely mm. amazing moment and this with with triple h and the 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 pyro and the the laser lights i mean even goldust got pyro it was yeah. really well done yeah i, I really uh like this uh this stage setup yeah yeah totally i mean speaking of goldust then he's in the the beginning too isn't he i guess i mean one thing i did notice as well from the very start of the match that made me realize how much i miss it is harrod finkel running through the rules and every mm-hmm. year you'd sit there with like, oh, okay, yeah. All right, come on, Howard, get through it all. Like like Jerry Lawler was saying, but it was part of part of the whole thing, wasn't it? Him running yeah. through the rules and listing what was going to happen and so on. Jerry Lawler, I thought that that was a, a very quick, witty uh, line from him saying, uh, come on, wrap it up, thing. This, this match is only an hour. But uh, I just want to like circle back a little bit to... Uh, this was the time when WWE had the the New York restaurant, and uh, just before we got to the Rumble, um, they had a, a, a cutaway to Shawn Michaels. Uh, it was it was their uh, live at uh, WWE oh, New York, yeah. wearing that very American, very Texan shirt. Um, but what kind of like put a smile on my face was this was clearly a point when he didn't know he was coming back to wrestling because you can kind of see uh, the the pain in his eyes that he's missing it. Uh, they mentioned about him winning two Royal Rumbles and you can see like he, they're asking for his predictions and he, I think he predicts uh, uh, that he'll either be Undertaker or Stone Cold Steve Austin, but you can see there's a bit of, I wish I were there. I mm. wish I was in that. Seven months down the line, the guy's going to come back. And he's going to end, end the uh, end the year as a, as a world champion. So yeah, yeah, it's um, a lovely kind of look into the future and and seeing just how upset and sad he was that he couldn't wrestle. And then you give that seven months, and he's gonna he's gonna be back, and he's gonna be having the run of his career. Yeah, bloody fantastic! That second run of Michael's absolutely fantastic. Ah, uh, yes. We have Rikishi as number one, Goldust as number two to start the mm-hmm. match. Um, obviously, with Rikishi, there's lots of uh, lots of setup and angling towards his arse, isn't there? With the stink face and so on. But this kind of confused me a touch because one of the things that happens here is Rikishi is stood above Goldust, slapping his arse like he's just going to sit down on him because Goldust has tried a sunset flip. Mm-hmm. Why would you try a sunset flip in a Royal Rumble match? I, I mean, I get it, but there's been off loads of times where they've tried pins. I mean, I remember uh, Macho Man tried to pin Yokozuna in one round mm. rumble and Night got three, flicked yeah. over. The, yeah. yeah, so I, I suppose it was just to set up the 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 attempt at being squashed by, um, by Rikishi's big fat ass. Some gargantuan buttocks. <laughs> he has got a huge ass. 
It is a big chunky butt. Um, <laughs> we have, a f- you know, effectively, what you tend to find with Raw Rumbles, or what I tend to find, is that if we don't have some real big names out first, like like the year that we had The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels out as one and two and so on, you tend to get a lot of mid-carders first, building up to that first sort of higher higher level performer don't you and that mm-hmm. kind of stands to reason here our first few entrants are the likes of rikishi gold dust the boss man uh bradshaw but he gets a massive crowd reaction bradshaw he the does. biggest that i uh, granted he's only number four but it was the biggest of the rumble up to that point i think wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah i think this was um this was a rumble like i said it started with the the lower um lower level lower mid card uh wrestlers so it tends to build to a, a ring full of wrestlers for the biggest, the first big star to come and clean house, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what we got. Uh, very much in the the uh, the Austin '97 um, Rumble where he cleans house, uh, does the same again in '98. We were going to get to that point in kind of like how we had with a, a Rumble a, a couple of years ago with Brock and and, and Drew, where uh, Brock cleaned house, and then we kind of like got. Uh, a second rumble if you will this is what happened in this one we got to essentially the undertaker he cleaned house once his part had gone we built back up and then got got went towards the end yeah yeah that's right i mean i suppose the earlier part of the rumble there's not masses worth touching upon really other than some of the ovations that some of the guys get until the undertaker enters at number eight Mm-hmm. And, and he does clean house as you said Maxie um, I'm not a massive fan of The Undertaker short hair uh, and this sort of time but here with with the, the beanie hat on riding the bike Limp biscuit playing he looked like a badass didn't he he did he did um, this is not one of my favourite versions of Undertaker but it, it's up there uh, I'm uh, an American badass fan but uh, mm. Dead Man Inc was, was certainly one of my favourite uh versions of the undertaker yeah definitely and even though he is supposed to be a heel at this point people still cheer for the guy don't they he gets he still mm-hmm. gets a decent res- response from the crowd when the music hits and he comes out on the bike and that yeah it's just a, a cool image just when he started riding the bat down to 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 the ring it's just it's cool as fuck yeah and rolling playing that. in the background as well like, yeah just great mm-hmm. stuff great stuff um Taker clears the ring then, literally just clears the ring and he stood there waiting for the, the next entrant, I suppose. Similar, I get, again, like you said, Maxi, to, to Lesnar in the Rumble quite recently, just waiting for each new entrant to come down. And we have Matt Hardy come in next. And I remember this when it happened. And it, at the time, I thought it was so cool because The Undertaker had basically just destroyed everybody. He, he'd mm-hmm. beaten up Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, and even Lita. But they yep. all effectively get a few kicks in on the undertaker right here especially later um, oh she's yeah, having so, a great point <laughs> um so yeah undertaker destroyed him put him on the shelf for a while so um matt uh comes out first with lita um looks like he's gonna get his ass whooped uh but then lita gets on the top rope um and then essentially jumps into w- what was potentially going to be a, a double chalk slam um Undertaker kind of throws Matt away because he he, he wants to deal with Lita first and she kicks him right in the baby makers. And you, 
Undertaker did a brilliant job of selling it. You could see him like jumping up and down, bouncing. So that gives Matt the opportunity then to to uh, essentially beat on the Undertaker, and then Jeff Hardy comes in uh, next. So it's a kind of like two on one, three on one. Uh, don't last long though. Before Undertaker, uh, I think he catches Jeff doing a uh, the the whispering the wind thing. That's no, the um, poetry emotion, isn't it? Poetry emotion. That's right. It, just... When he runs across and jumps off Matt's back, it meant the Undertaker can almost like catch him like he's cradling a baby in a way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and just flips him out. It's quite cool. Yeah, just tosses him out. Um, yeah, uh, and then last round to to uh, Matt um lobs him out yeah, and that's that's that bit done <laughs> essentially yeah yes and then we get probably the the moments that most people remember from this rumble mm-hmm. i think yeah. even more so than i remember this even more so than the finish uh-huh. because maven comes out who yep. had just recently won the first season of Tough Enough. Now, Tough Enough ran for quite a few years, then disappeared, came back in a slightly different format, and, and so on. What, what are your thoughts on, on Tough Enough, Mags? I think it quickly got stale. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if uh, Maven and I think the other winner was Nidia in the first season, if they'd have been bigger stars or been made into bigger stars, uh, I think. I would have probably been more excited for for future tough enough episodes uh, okay. because we have a similar thing in uh, in UFC. Uh, we have something called the Ultimate Fighter, but what happens uh, there is that those uh, the winners of those tournaments are able to carve out a career in UFC by winning matches. Obviously, with uh, wrestling being scripted, uh, that would have meant uh, Maven and Nidia being pushed to the moon. he did uh, he did do well in the hardcore division he wasn't and I think he had a shot at Triple H's uh, world title at one time he wasn't really pushed that much which kind of made um, it made Tough Enough look like um, they're creating C-level talent yeah. uh, so I kind of kind of lost interest in it pretty quickly yeah that's fair enough mate that's fair enough I think the first season I, I was I was all about that I loved it because mm-hmm. I suppose it was the novelty of it. Yeah, it's you know? fresh I, and it was new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of reality TV. It's not something for me. But the, I remember the very first season of Big Brother. I, I, I watched all of that intently because that was something new. I'd never seen it before. You know, second, third season, I, I, I was over it. But it was. I think it was the novelty of it, I think. And it was so different to what it became in a few years' time as well with Tough Enough. And we have uh, Scottish Danny in the chat there saying that Maven's theme song is an all-time banger. That was the mm-hmm. theme to Tough Enough, wasn't it? It was the theme was, to the yeah. first... Yeah. But if we don't get here, it's it's, it's overdubbed here. <laughs> it is. Which is such it, a shame. You'd think... I mean, they would own that unless it was a Jim Jim Johnston production and they've... St- I mean, they 
they've cut a lot of his his music out, so mm. unless that was an issue. And I think the thing with Tough Enough, especially the first season, was it was almost like a peek behind the curtain for a lot of fans. I mean, we this was an era where we knew it was it, we knew it was scripted, um, but the guys are still athletes. The guys are still have to train, and this was kind of like aware if you haven't been in in the wrestling world of seeing what it's like behind that curtain how you get into wrestling um so i think that was a a, a cool um novelty of, of tough enough but it soon got boring i mean i can't think of any other um tough enough winners um aside from was it daniel puder the guy who uh, who almost broke kurt angle's arm with a kimura uh, aside from that the the tough enough winners yeah, I can't remember a lot of them. Johnny Nitro was on Tough Enough, wasn't he? Was there? I know yeah, Ryback was on. Ryback was on the. I think the second one, the one what Daniel Pewter won. I think Ryback was involved in that one. That was when it was called okay. Ryan Reeves, I think. Right. Okay. There's a few that you, you know. If you actually look at the list, it's <laughs> like okay, that's where that was from. Uh, Mandy Rose as well. She came through Tough Enough, didn't she? Okay. One of the much later seasons, I think. Was not aware of that. I think so. Oh, that could be. I could be completely wrong there. Scottish Daniel probably pipe up in the chat. You'll, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Maven is out next, and he's looking very concerned about getting in the ring with the Undertaker, as he should be, because it looks like his ring gear is just a pair of jogging bottoms from Premark. You know, I think he should make a bit more of an offer there. From uh, uh, from Premark. From where? Premark. Primark. Primark. Is that how you say it up north? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Is that? I do words good. <laughs> I know words. <laughs> yeah, Primark. Yeah, that's how I say it. Down here, everyone's called. I think everyone calls it Primark down here. I don't. It can't be just me. It's Primark. That's what I said. Primark. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as maven is entering the ring though and starts getting it slapped around a bit by the undertaker the hardys come in and because they, they they're pissed off with this fella and they mm-hmm. just go and they're, they're attacking him again taker cleans house with those again gets rid of him and then he, he kind of takes his eye off the ball magazine and leans over he, the top rope a touch yeah to 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 bollock the hardest for coming in the ring and basically this was the era where it was his yard mm-hmm. uh, and then maven who um has one of the best drop kicks uh in wrestling really that guy can get some heart on a drop kick uh eliminates the undertaker and that that's the highlight of his career it's yeah it's the thing that we're always going to remember him for and uh i know james from uh uh from that nighties wrestling podcast had uh had uh, Maven on uh, for this first interview in in like a decade, and they they have a real good breakdown of the situation uh, of how it led up to to Maven being in, involved in the rumble. He was only told uh, on that weekend that he had to he had to be be uh, at the show, knowing that he was going to be in the rumble. Uh, then he said Vince and Undertaker uh, had him uh, for a chat. Oh no, Vince, uh, Shane and Undertaker had him for a chat, uh, and they ran through kind of what his role would be. He assumed it would be uh, in the ring uh, for a few minutes, then get eliminated. Um, the uh, Shane said, "So you're going to be eliminating the Undertaker," uh, and he oh. says, "The Undertaker." He he was there terrified because Undertaker 
a huge guy. Um, mm. He was still a rookie, uh, and he looked at Undertaker, and Undertaker looked at him and he went, oh, so that's how it's going to be. So Undertaker's trying to put the, 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 the wind up him, scare him to death. He said, but afterwards, the Undertaker was so so good to him he said the guy made made my career with with what he did um and the the way he kind of like uh beat the living piss out of me he said it made me it made me way bigger of a star than 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 i should have been at the time so mm. yeah it just uh goes to show how how much of a rub he got from this point yeah yeah definitely and, and the beating is quite quite dramatic isn't it when mm-hmm. i mean first of all maven's dropkick why that is a fantastic yeah. dropkick, isn't it? Let's it's be honest. So good. So good. Yeah. And the, the Tager comes back into the ring, chases Maven around. And I, I like this because they're kind of stumbling as, as, as the Undertaker's trying to get hold of Maven. And it's it looks realistic. It doesn't look like mm-hmm. a wrestling predetermined bit of entertainment. It looks like Maven is genuinely terrified and Undertaker genuinely wants to kill him, which is the yeah. point, isn't it? It's supposed to of look course. realistic. Yeah. Uh, but there's a vicious chair shot here, though, isn't there? Well, before we get there, we get the the point of this that has annoyed me for for 20 years. Maven gets thrown through the ropes. Now, we Uh know, uh, first of all, Undertaker is out, so he should not be allowed to to eliminate people. Now, we have seen people sneak back into rumbles and eliminate people, but... This was in full view of the referees. They've always done it um, when the referees have been distracted. This was in full view of the referees. So he's, he's thrown through the, the ring, beat up on the outside, hit with a brutal chair shot. And that may be the, the, one of the worst chair shots I've seen Taker given. I've, I've watched him hit Chris Canyon square in the face with a chair shot. Mm. Um, but he then... Uh, throws Maven back in the ring to throw him over the top rope and I, I, from what I've read I think Undertaker was told by the referees you have to throw him over the top rope for it to look like an elimination but the rules are that Taker has been eliminated so he can't he can't eliminate Maven so Maven has been the longest ever Royal Rumble entrant because he's still in this Rumble right now to this very 20 day. 20 odd years, yeah. <laughs> exactly, and it annoys me. Something I noticed today as well, and again, if, if I've got this wrong, then please, people, let me know in the chat, Magsy, or, or you know, via Twitter later on in the week or whatever. But I don't know if it's because I'm older and I notice things more now, but you can see The Undertaker blading Maven. Mm-hmm. When he's down on the he's down on the thing, and then the Undertaker turns away and tucks the blade back into his pocket, because yeah. obviously Maven not as experienced, I'm assuming, so that's why Taker did it for him. But yeah, the Undertaker is the guy who, who, for want of a better term, gets color for Maven, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and not only that, he uh, he also interrupts Scotty Too Hot's uh, dance to the ring. That was brilliant. Um, you could see how like he was. I think Scotty may have missed his mark because obviously he was getting really into into the dancing, and you can see Taker like, where the fuck is he? So Taker actually just goes out and catches up with him, wallops him, and then goes right back to to beating up Maven. It's a brilliant moment. It is brilliant. We end up going up through the crowd and then through, I suppose the. Uh... Uh, the arena i guess the corridors where you'd find like the merch stand what, the concessions and, the and stuff like yeah, that and yeah 
the the Loki heroes in this in this segment was those security guards keeping oh, those yeah. fans away because those fans were rabid. Uh, mm-hmm. There was uh, one point just after Maven has had his head smashed through a popcorn stand. Uh, the fans are in his face screaming and like spilling drinks all over him. Yeah, that was uh that was pretty pretty scary and those those security guards were were having to work very very hard to, to hold those fans back but what a moment what uh that made undertaker look an absolute killer and it also made maven look a look like a um a proper baby face it was a really good moment little touches as well as it little touches just as he's he's led there maven bleeding and destroyed taker just takes a handful of the popcorn so cool <laughs> Eats, eats the, the majority of it. One of them lands in between his tits. One piece of popcorn, and then he's get one piece that he doesn't chew. He just spits it out, and it lands on Maven. Brilliant. Yeah, class, absolute class. But then I suppose we're into the the second half of this rumble, then, or the second story that this rumble kind of tells, and that is very much motivated by who is going to WrestleMania. Now we've we've had the Undertaker half of the story, and so on. It is. It is very much divided into two, this Rumble, I think, Max, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, it's it's a, a classic way to do a Rumble. Have a um, one big star do a, a, a clear-up, and then once they've gone, kind of fill the ring again for the for who is going to be the eventual winner or the, or the kind of like the pathway to to finding out who that winner is so yeah it's uh yeah and it, this is why it's one of the the better rumbles because it's it's booked really well it's uh really it flows really well as a as a, as a rumble uh i think yeah yeah you're right you're spot you're spot on uh, i suppose we get now very similar to the first five or six entrants in the rumble we kind of reset and start again because we're getting the i suppose the guys who are who appear more regularly on the the lower end of the card shall we say mm-hmm. the likes of uh christian diamond dallas page um chucky palumbo as uh jr refers to him as quite a bit uh, they're all coming into the ring then we get the godfather entering to a massive ovation his music hits and he keeps going back and getting more and more girls like with him that was that was cool that entrance was great yeah it was and uh fun fact about the godfather's uh uh ring attire so he was wearing the snakeskin suit mm-hmm. um and those snakeskin pants you've seen another wrestler wear those exact same snakeskin pants before one time Okay. So The Undertaker faced Kurt Angle at Survivor Series 2000. Okay. And he wore those exact pants. And the reason that they're, the, they're, they're exact pants is because his his bag got lost by his, uh, by his airline. And the only person who had pants who would fit Undertaker was Godfather. And that's his actual suit. So uh, for for one match or one match only, uh, Undertaker wore those exact snakeskin pants. Oh, that's amazing. I did not know that. That is brilliant. Look it up. Ah, that is superb. What a a great little fact that is. See, chain wrestling, educational. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Um, (laughs) uh, Diamond Dallas Page gets a good reaction from the crowd as well when he makes his entrance at 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm quite, I, I quite like Page. You know, the whole WCW era against the NWO is great. 
this silly smiling you know motivational speaker kind of thing it took me a while to get on board with that but when he ended up feuding with christian and christian was having tantrums and so on i think it really worked at that time yeah and and if you look at page now i feel that this was closer to what diamond Dallas page is actually like Mm, because yeah. he is very motivational uh the the amount of wrestlers uh and 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 people whose lives he've saved uh due to uh his outlook on on life and ddp yoga and stuff like that i feel that this is maybe closer to the real uh diamond Dallas page than, than perhaps the the wcw gimmick Mm. yeah that's fair enough that's fair enough uh all this is built well eventually the godfather does get eliminated which is greeted by a load of booze people were not mm-hmm. happy that he was gone however this this segment of the rumble is building up to the arrival of steve austin and yeah. when the glass breaks and austin comes in at number 19 as as tradition when you hear that noise the crowd go crazy and it's it's just a great visual him stomp into the ring with a waistcoat on and literally walking into a, a, a battle zone with all the people in the ring, dumping his waistcoat on the way in, kicking everyone's ass, chucking out a load of stunners, and then just eliminating everyone. It, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> eliminating everyone with enough time to bring people back in to stun them and eliminate them again to make yeah. sure to double down that they got eliminated and he was still uh this was heavy into the what gimmick and he was using his uh his wrist tape as a watch mm-hmm. uh kind of like uh a throwback to his uh the the wrestlemania's uh, the Royal rumbles that he'd won where he cleaned up and then he was sat in the corner uh looking uh looking at his uh fake watch on his on his wrist uh yeah some good little throwbacks and then we get Val Venus coming to the ring and that looked awkward. You you've got Austin, who's a very kind of masculine man, stood there in the middle of the ring, and then Val Venus essentially st- stripping off and doing the towel gimmick at the top of the ramp. It was mm. felt a little bit <laughs> annoying what Val Venus. Yeah, Val knowing Venus what Val Venus is like now as a as a person, very conspiracy theorist and uh um very um into his uh wacky tobacco. Yeah, it felt a little bit cringy. Yeah, yeah. He'd used far too much baby oil, I think, backstage, hadn't he? He was very But was the, the female the, the female fans absolutely loved him. Mm, well, this is true, this is true. Uh test soon follows. Uh, Val Venus, and that basically gives Austin something to do for a little while before he eliminates a couple more people. Mm-hmm. And then we get the moment I suppose everyone's been kind of waiting for since that 7th of January and Monday Night Raw. 22. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> The 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 guitar hits, motorhead blares over the speakers. The laser lights here are just green beams crisscrossing, and the Mm -hmm. silhouette of Triple H just stood there as the music plays, and everyone's thinking. Triple H and Austin's the only one left in the ring. This is going to be an awesome stunt. And the, the way WWE do this, I think, is fantastic because 
the entrance for Triple H just gets you more and more and more built up, ready for this confrontation. But the entrance also means that he's ran the clock down enough that you only get a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like... Tease. Yeah, it's not, you don't get exactly what you're after straight away. I think it's really cleverly done, Mags. Yeah, uh, and and it's it would be easy to forget that um, Triple H's last match, he was tag teaming with, with Austin, mm. uh, and we had that whole uh, are they on the same page kind of story, um, which which were, was going to eventually lead to them uh, breaking up and having, uh, having a, a feud. So the potential of them, are they still friends? Are they not still friends? Um, are they going to end up beating the living piss out of each other? And also being two of the biggest stars yeah. in wrestling um, and now being on opposite sides of the, the baby face uh, and, and heel um, that world of wrestling. This was going to, Te- this was a massive tease to what could have been a, a huge, huge moment. And WWE played it so, so well. Triple H, is, his entrances are always amazing. The When he uh, wets his hair and spits that water, it just looks looks like a, a dragon. It's su- such a cool entrance. And then to kind of like um, lighten the moment, the hurricane coming in, trying to do the, uh, the double choke slam. Um, what a brilliant moment. And the... He's got Austin and Triple H there in the chalk slam, and they just turn and look at each other and like, is this <laughs> fucking guy for real? It's brilliant. Uh, it is. It's such a brilliant moment. Um, yeah, we we don't fully get that kind of a uh, Austin versus Triple H uh, war that we could have got, but we got teasers of it, which uh-huh. is which is enough. It was enough to kind of wet people's appetites. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Eventually, you know, the hurricane, as you said, he, he gets eliminated, and J- Jerry Lawler screaming, <laughs> "He's flying!" as he goes sailing over the top rope. I mean, Lawler, a lot of the time, Lawler's cringeworthy, and we've criticised him a great deal on this show with some of the stuff he says and, and does, and so on. But on this show, I don't think he was too bad. I think he actually he actually added to the product rather than, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when we've watched things back, it's been a case of, "Oh, mate, no, this hasn't aged well." But here, I think he did all right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, Farouk is next out, but he's kind of skipping past him, maybe a bit unfairly, because we then get Mr. Perfect come into the ring. Mm-hmm. That music's fantastic. Perfect looks yeah. cool. He does, the, he does the, the towel thing where he throws it and catches it behind him. And then I didn't notice this until watching this time. There's one moment where he's up against the ropes in the match wrestling, and he spits his gum out and slaps it with his hand as well. Yeah. It's, it's just, oh, it's just so it's cool. Just- it's just effortless cool as well. Effortlessly mm. cool. Uh, and one thing that kind of gets glossed over as well is this is uh, his first um, appearance in WWE for, for like six years. Yeah. Um, before this, his his uh, last storyline was actually with Triple H. Um, he was uh, playing a... He was stealing Triple H's uh, valets every week, and that was meant to lead to a blow-off match uh, where him uh, he was facing Triple H. But he, he ended up leaving the company, uh, starting injury, but obviously then going to to WCW. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, for me who knows the kind of like that that backstory because we've covered it on a on a, um, a changing attitude. The the tease of him versus Hunter 
was uh, was was always there for me. And again, kind of like the Austin thing, we see snippets of it, but it doesn't build into anything um, notable uh, in the match. But yeah, what a cool cool moment it was to see yeah. perfect there and like i said earlier in the show it was supposed to be a one and done just like a, a surprise entrance uh just to essentially get his flowers but he puts in such a good performance with the very few minutes that he has in this ring i mean um it's he, he earned himself a contract essentially he earned himself a, a another mini run in the company which is which is superb until obviously the the plane ride from hell uh, went and <laughs> kind of ruined it for him. Yeah, he was a bit of a bit of a bell end on that plane point. He, he certainly was. Yes, he was indeed. Uh, the last few entrants, Maxi. I'm just going to list off the last five who enter the Rumble here after Perfect, okay? Because this is one hell of a last. I, I don't remember Raw Rumble having a group of wrestlers in the last five or six as this. Obviously, Mr. Perfect has just just arrived. We then get Kurt Angle, The Big Show, Kane. Rob Van Dam and at 30, Booker T. Now, you remember, of course, mm-hmm. Triple H and Steve Austin are in the ring as well. Has there been a rumble with a better finishing group than that? So, so that last five, all world champions. Yeah. All of them. Just, yes. It shows the, the level of talent in, in mm. this era of, of WWE. No wonder this was... Uh, a huge uh, money-making era for WWE because that that is stacked, and we've had um, we've had like the the mid carders all the way through the uh, the the beginning, the middle of this uh, of this um, rumble, but to to kind of like pal all the big stars at the end. What a what a, a brilliant move that is. Mm. especially yeah. with Triple H being in the ring, Austin being in the ring, the two biggest favourites probably to win the match, to throw then five huge stars in, that kind of can put the doubts there. Like any one of these could have would have looked legitimate as a as a Royal Rumble winner. So it kind of does take away that that predictability, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean a couple of cool moments, I suppose, as we come to the finish. Uh, Kane eliminating the Big Show, I thought was really impressive. Just by picking him up and dumping him yeah, over the rope, that, brilliant. That, so simple, but it was brilliant, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it I think, was. I think it was Austin, wasn't it? Eliminating Booker T after a spinner Rooney. Yeah, it's like why would you do that in the middle of the ring, mate? Come on, look what look what you've gone and caused yourself now. You know, it's <laughs> uh, RVD doing the uh, the rolling thunder on on Austin. Mm. That was, uh, and I think he does uh, the the five star uh, splash on on Angle. Yeah, RVD in in, some talent, man. Yeah, RVD in in his few minutes uh, gets so much uh, so much uh, action in. You can tell that that he was always going to be a big star in WWE, and and the the rest of the talent and the the guys in the back thought a hell of a lot of him because he comes out of this looking really really well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our last four, though, are Perfect, Triple H, Austin, and Angle. And it's good to see Mr. Perfect in the last four. I mean, that's, that's yep. not just not just name value, but that is some actual in-ring talent in that last four, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we lose Austin. Yeah. And that was a bit of a, whoa, okay. I thought, you know, I remember at the time thinking, wow, Austin's gone. Why? Okay, Austin's gone. That's insane. And for some reason then, I started to really believe 20 odd years ago 
that Mr. Perfect was going to WrestleMania. I was, I was, really? I was fully, I was fully behind Mr. Perfect at that exact moment. I was like, "Come on, you can do this," you know. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think I did then, and I certainly didn't. Obviously, with knowing the result, I knew we weren't going to yeah. do it this time. But <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was shocking to see Austin be that person. You, you look at those four and think. Mr. Perfect's the fall guy, yeah, because mm-hmm. the the other three were were deep into the, the kind of like the the world championship scene. So one of those three winning it made, made sense. But I suppose it was so Austin could uh, kind of like cement his heelishness with uh, uh, going out, getting a chair, and laying waste to all all three of them. Plus, it gives um, gives them all a bit of a breather whilst they're all yeah. laid out on the floor. Yes, indeed. He, he, he wastes them all with a chair, doesn't he? And uh, <laughs> then event, basically Triple H effectively then gets rid of Mr. Perfect and we get the final two. Well, uh, before that, we do get uh, Perfect to, to to get his flowers. He does the a beautiful Perfect Plex on oh, Angle. A, I love that move so much. And then I, I love his, his uh, kind of uh, front-flipping snapmare as well. Mm. That's such a good move. Uh, but, yeah, Hunter eventually does eliminate him, and then we get the, the final two, uh, Kurt Angle and, and Trips. And it ends up being a finish, I suppose, for the Rumble, or, or Battle Royals at least as well, that we've seen quite a few times, I guess. I mean, we've seen it with, we've seen it with a couple of Royal Rumbles and I imagine people have gone to indie shows and seen this God knows how many times with battle Royals and so on, where the one guy thinks he's won. Mm-hmm. He's thrown his opponent over the top rope, turns around arms in the air to celebrate same in, in the same way, 1995 with Shawn Michaels and the Bulldog, I guess. Angle even drops to his knees to celebrate this victory as Triple H pulls himself back into the ring. Uh, basically, Angle then twigs what's going on, takes a, a, a face buster, I believe it is, on it onto Triple H's knee. Yep. And, and gets closed behind over the top rope. Then the very telegraphed stumbling towards <laughs> the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Which if you were in a row rumble and you got hit and you were you were a bit wobbly, you'd drop to the floor because the mm. floor is the safest place to be. But no, Angle, oh I best lead up against these ropes and Triple H just close hands him out and the crowd went ballistic yeah yeah and i suppose that was it mission accomplished for for the wwf isn't it you know it's i know such a a well-told story as well and you've got to give wwe props i mean they don't do a lot of things right uh, especially recently but when somebody's away uh and especially a big star when they're away with an injury uh the wwe do know how to book their returns and book their returns really well. And Triple H's return was booked pretty much perfectly, yeah. his return from injury. Yeah, it's just a shame that the WrestleMania side of things didn't get booked as well. You know, obviously, him he goes on to win the title, of course. That was fantastic. But the story of Jericho, it was a bit of a stop-start storyline involving Stephanie and the dog mm-hmm. and so on. But ultimately... Pregnancy... Yeah, ultimately it led to Triple H being the world champion. And then we get heel Triple H again, holding on to the world and title and so on, don't we? So we, we get the reign of terror. Yeah, ah, see, what, what little we knew on that night in January. When we were Triple all H cheering Triple H, yeah. like, he's, he's back, the best thing since sliced bread. And he was like, 
wait till next year when I'm a dickhead again. Yeah. I'm going to ruin all your favourites. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Attend Magsy, what are you thinking? Now, it's one of my favourite rumbles. Um, and for a lot of the same reasons that, that you mentioned, star power, the way it's booked, uh, the way we kind of have um, almost a guaranteed winner, but there's still those kind of like little niggling doubts of uh, of other people whose names are in the mix. Um, it's not as good as 92, uh, not as good as 97 or 98 for me. Um, but yeah, it was very, very enjoyable. It went by really quickly as well. To mm. say it was almost uh, 70 minutes, it it felt like a breeze to watch through. Um, so for all those reasons, I think I'm, I'm going to go with um, a 7.5. Oh, okay. Okay, doke. Uh, my mindset was to look at what we've given previous rumbles. And I don't think this is as good as the 2001 rumble. I don't think this is any, it's, it, well, I don't, it's not, that I don't think I know it. This is not as good as 92. 92 is amazing. So I can't give it as the same level as those, but it's still bloody good. And it's better than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. I, I could remember the Maven moment. I can remember Triple H and Austin facing off and then triple h winning everything else in between i kind of i I kind of just i don't know forgotten about or blocked out or whatever so it's much better than i remembered it being so for that reason i'm going to touch higher than you magsy i got eight and a half okay that's fair i really really enjoyed it mate i mean added as well um like i said a breeze to get through um some some huge stars in there but also a lot of kind of like the the mid carders around them but yeah it was uh cool to see some uh some of the the faces uh and yeah it, it just it it flawed really well as a rumble mm. i think it was uh some rumbles can be a messy uh not book not book the best and kind of like uh, a drag this i think flawed really well yeah yeah all good points mate all spot on so then where can we go next week? A Royal Rumble. So many options. I, I love it when we get Rumbles on the show because there are so mm-hmm. many options where we can go to. It's brilliant yeah. stuff. So what are you putting forward for this week's poll, Magsy? Well, all those options, and I'm going to take the the low-hanging fruit. So I started my comeback on this show, essentially, with uh, the, the Triple H. Um injury we've now seen the triple h uh return let's let's follow where this story goes uh let's go to wrestlemania let's see uh triple h taking on chris jericho uh wrestlemania 18 uh that's a, a huge wrestlemania i mean mm-hmm. uh, um austin versus um versus scott hall the rock versus hogan um but if you look at uh, Shagger Dave's ratings for, for this event, Jericho and Triple H got the highest rating uh, of all the matches. Um, it's a very underrated classic because it had to follow uh, Rock and, and Hogan. Um, and I think if I remember rightly, Jericho said in one of his books, he he adamantly didn't want to be the main event because he knew that Rock versus Hogan was always going to kind of be the star of the show. Um, and it, he he basically told Vince, I don't want to be in the main event. Uh, but, mm-hmm. he, but they did. Uh, and to a, a very kind of tired crowd, 
um, they put on a, a barnstormer. So yeah, I think I'll want to watch Jericho versus Triple H for the undisputed WWF title. That, I think, is a fantastic option. And plus it, is, it wraps up this mini kind of Triple H yeah. journey we've gone on. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense from that, you know, makes a lot of sense from that viewpoint. But also, it is a match that I've not really revisited. And I keep hearing people say, it's better than you remember. Mm-hmm. You know? So that I think I'd be I'd be more than happy to go back and watch that. And I, I, I think that would be really interesting to review that with you. Uh, and, you know, the CWF going back and looking, checking out this match. Because if I go back to WrestleMania 18, I'm watching Rock Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So, exactly. yeah. I, really interesting shape. I reckon that would be, be a great shape. If it wins, Magsy, because I've got to put something up against it. I would like to see a bit more Mr. Perfect. He was a bit of a star in this rumble for me. Uh, The guy is just so cool. He's absolutely fantastic. Now, we've seen on Chain Wrestling already... Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. We've already been to that match and, and so on. So I was trying to think of something that is a little different because I like I like w- looking at a match that potentially hasn't been watched since it happened or some people who, who listen to the show may have never seen. And when looking through potential matches from Kurt Henning's career, obviously I dipped into WCW and had a little look there because that's just how I work. But there was nothing major standing out there. But something jumped out at me, and I thought, well, that'd be quite interesting. So, Barry Windham versus Dan Griffin says in the chat here, no Barry Windham. Mr. Perfect versus the Stalker. That's what we're watching. (laughs) Maybe maybe we'll try and angle a Barry Windham match in next week. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I would like to go to a match with Mr. Perfect facing off against one of Barry Windham's four horsemen teammates. And that is against Ric Flair from Monday Night Raw the 18th of January 1993 and this was Flair's last match in the WWF before going back down safe and it's it's listed on certain sites I was looking at certain countdown sites as being one of the best matches in the early years of Monday Night Raw and in the top five matches of Mr. Perfect's career I read Uh, I don't know if I 100% agree with that, that particular author but that would be interesting for me to see. So yes, Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair. Loser leaves the WWF Monday Night Raw, 18th of January, 1993. And another little tie in as well. It was the first episode of Raw after the 1993 Raw Rumble, which I just twigged on myself then. Didn't even realize that when I put it up, but there we go. So yes, those are your options for this week's poll. We have, Tying all this uh, Triple H storyline in a nice, tidy little bow and finishing up with Triple H versus Y2J in what has been described by so many people as an underrated classic at WrestleMania 18, or Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair from the 18th of January 1993, Monday Night Raw. The poll will be up after the audio version is released later in the week. Make sure you check it a retweet and vote away and decide where we're going to go next week. That's it then, Magsy. It is. All done. That's it. That's it. Great stuff, mate. Great stuff. Do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online, my friend? Well, I mean, you'll be lucky to find me online because I have uh, I have taken a 
a sabbatical from social media. Uh, I have actually replied to a lot of people over the last couple of days. Uh, and again, uh, like I said last week, your support has been absolutely amazing. Um, I'm blown away by everybody just uh, uh, just showing how much I mean to them. It's, it's, it's just words can't express just how... how um, amazing you all are and i really really appreciate every single one who's reached out uh and i will eventually make my way back to social media but it's uh it's taking its time it's a long process uh but you can still follow me on on uh twitter at podfather mags or on uh on uh tiktok at mags all pods uh yeah well um that's where you can find me or you can find me back here next week on uh on chain wrestling because still kind of uh, missing in action with the rest of the content yeah great stuff mate great stuff already looking forward to next week mate already looking forward to it you can find me on twitter at sjp words and on facebook there's a group there sjp all the shows and info and that gives you links to all the stuff i'm involved in so that's nitro nights looking at wcw with our good friend scottish danny uh the doctor who pod with dan griffin looking at that doctor who serial there classic who new who back and forth and so on that season two is coming i think the 14th we said the first episode of season two is coming out and then we also have the waiting room podcast that i do with benny mac looking at quantum leap week by week by week and i'm having a great time doing that as well but most importantly you can find this show on facebook instagram twitter and that tiktok thingamy uh, at chain underscore wrestling that's at chain underscore wrestling and again at sgp words for me magsy i've had an absolute blast mate i'm loving the fact you're back can't wait for next week two potential classics on the poll i'm mm-hmm. really intrigued to see which direction the, the, the cwf vote in because i think it's quite a difficult one this week yeah i, I may just end up watching both <laughs> yeah both really good picks yeah, I, I might as well. I might as well. Uh, I'm off now to go and stand in my bathroom, practice throwing a towel around and catching it to try and look cool, just like Mr. Perfect. <laughs> Maxi, I'll see you next week, my friend. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'll see you later.